Lamar got franchise tag. Danny Dines is now Daniel Dollars. The Buccaneers keep releasing players. Are quarterbacks going to keep getting big deals? Selection Sunday for March Madness is approaching. The Colorado police are investigating John Morant. Are SEC quarterbacks getting more hype than Bryce Young and why? And which team is a sleeper in the SEC tournament? All this and more on this episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Stillman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Take 14. Joining me later on for Christy's Corner is my co-host, Christy. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok, at Christy Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. Your home for all different sports in different forms and varieties. Before we move into anything, I think it is very important that we pay homage to one of the best college coaches of all time as Jim Beheim has announced that he is retiring. It was announced Wednesday mid-afternoon, actually, no, late afternoon, early night. And it's definitely something that I want to address because even though this isn't related to the South or a small market, this is huge because he coached at Syracuse for 47 years, and he went to Syracuse. So he spent a long time at Syracuse. You know, he has over a 1,000 career wins. He was consistently a part of March Madness, and he also is responsible for so many different players making it to the NBA, like Carmelo Anthony, just to start off with. So I think with this, you know, it's definitely great, and he had a great career. I know he wanted to retire sometime with his family. You know, his son Buddy was on the team. It's currently now in the NBA, and he had another son as well who had transferred and finished out his last year there. And it was also kind of expected, especially with the retirement of Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams in the past two years. It was kind of coming time for us to see it. But it's going to be a lot different now, knowing that he's not there, because he was so consistently a part of so many adults or young adults' lives for what he was able to do, not only at Syracuse, but in March Madness in the postseason. Now, we're definitely going to miss it because he also deserved a better send-off. You know, Syracuse struggled this year, and that might have been a reason why he was ready to step down. You know, when you're a coach for 40 years, it's really hard for you to find a way to make sure that you're doing something of this nature. So, you know, we wish him the best. We wanted to give him some recognition here, but we hope you enjoy your retirement. Thank you so much for all you've done for the sport of basketball, especially in the college atmosphere. We cannot thank you enough for it. We look forward to everything you can continue on and off the court. Now, our focus of Jim Beheim actually leads us into our next point of Selection Sunday approaching. Now, this Sunday, we are going to have the selection show for the Big Dance, March Madness, the NCAA Tournament, really whatever you want to call it. Now, the first question many people who may not have watched basketball is, what is Selection Sunday? Selection Sunday is when all the teams are selected and in their regions for who's going to play in March Madness, and who's going to be playing the first game. Now, it's based on your records, it's based on your quality wins, and how good your wins are. So, for example, because Alabama is the number four team in the nation, they've had some dominant wins. You know, they had the win over Houston, they had a win over North Carolina when they were ranked high, they had a win over Michigan State. They've had dominant wins throughout the SEC. So they're going to be a high seed. 
But then you also have the question of who's going to be the number one overall seed. Is it going to be Kansas? Is it going to be Houston? Is it going to be Alabama? This is what the selection show is about. Now, really what happens is if you're the number one seed when you are in your conference, you get, in a sense, a weaker opponent. But we can't let that get to us because, as last year we saw, when Kentucky played St. Peter's, they were out in the first round. And in the past, too, you know, Oral Roberts upset Ohio State, upset Florida. So it can happen. I think the biggest thing here to realize is that with Selection Sunday, nothing is set in stone. You know, people are going to start creating their brackets, and brackets busting are a big thing. You know, it happens to the best of us. I mean, so many people got their brackets destroyed last year after Kentucky lost, or in the past when Duke has lost in the first or second round. So it can tend to really happen. And I think with this, we have to just kind of be aware of what we're doing in regards to our bracket. Now, Selection Sunday is a lot like how the college football playoff committee selects their top four teams, and then we watch the countdown to see where everyone ends up. It's very similar to that, but March Madness came first, so that's kind of where it starts from. But the biggest thing in regards to March is we just have to expect the unexpected. There are going to be so many upsets. There are going to be so many different things that occur. There are going to be games that go into overtime. There are going to be players that you've never heard of who go on a giant scoring rampage. I'll give you an example. C.J. McCollum, when he played for Lehigh, he went out and beat Duke. And this is C.J. McCollum almost, no, actually more, more than 10 years ago. And he goes out there, he beats Duke, and now he is a player coming off a dominant performance for the New Orleans Pelicans from last night. So I think with this, that's what's so exciting about March, you know, be sure that you're at least watching one or two games. I'm not saying watch all the games because, you know, you won't get anything done. But still with this, it's really important to take a moment because this is the only team, this is the only sport that allows players to have so many games. You know, we don't do it in football. We don't really do it in baseball. You know, we have the game sevens and stuff and that usually happens. But with this, everyone gets an opportunity. That's what makes it so exciting for March Madness. Now, moving on to our next topic, which is in regards to the information in regards to John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, before we move on, I know someone's going to be saying, well, wait a minute, we've talked about the Memphis Grizzlies a lot. When are we going to stop talking about them and talk about other teams? Well, when the Memphis Grizzlies decide to stay out of the news, we will stop talking about them. Also, when the Pelicans start winning again and we have a more positive update on Zion, I'll talk about more them later. And obviously, you know, we did see that they won against the Mavericks on Wednesday, but enough about that. Anyway, so right now, as we all know, it's been a very tough few days, maybe even few weeks for the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, Brandon Clark gets hurt. He's probably one of their best bench players. Dylan Brooks got suspended. They lost some games, especially to the Los Angeles Lakers. But then they have also this information in regards to John Moran. And then on the heels of this, they find out more that Steven Adams, their center, who's been out for the past few weeks, is going to be out for four more weeks. So right now, it's not looking like the best with the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, here's what happened with John Moran. Apparently, there was a update in regards to Jaw waving that gun around in the Colorado nightclub in Denver. Colorado police 
were investigating him flashing a gun at the nightclub. Now, there are no charges, but still, this is pretty concerning for John Morant, as he has had, you know, some interesting times happen over the past few months. You know, he has mentioned how it is something where it is based on his mental health. And I think part of it, too, is that there's just a mental burden that he's carrying. Because remember, he's only 22, maybe even 23. So because of all this, you know, he's still figuring things out. And I understand that when you're in your 20s, you're trying to figure out the type of person you want to be and things you want to do. But right now with Ja, it's really concerning because, you know, we already have the allegations of him beating up a kid and then threatening him with a gun. The time where he went to the mall to threaten an employee and now he's flashing a gun. This isn't the John Morant that really everyone was falling in love with as a player. Now everyone's kind of getting annoyed with him in the Memphis Grizzlies. Now he is expected to be away from the team for four more games. But also, what is Adam Silver going to do? Is he going to step in? Is he going to find a way to just kind of say, okay, well, you know, Jaw, this is how we handle this. David Stern was very well known for dropping the hammer on players if they did something stupid. You know, he did it with Carmel Anthony. He did it with players in the Malice of the Palace. He had done it so many times, so it happens. But right now, we haven't seen that from, you know, Adam Silver. And maybe he will or maybe he will. But I think Adam Silver is trying to look at it as don't kick someone while you're down, which I do understand. But really with this, it is concerning because John Moran is the face of young NBA players, especially when you have players who are technically injured. Now, I know people say, well, about Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell doesn't really fall into that category because he's, you know, in his mid-20s. And I can say that because I'm in my mid-20s. But really with this, this is where things get a little interesting because we don't know what could happen in regards to this. Now, how does this hurt the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, last year when John Moran was hurt, the Memphis Grizzlies did fine, especially when they had Tyus Jones, Dylan Brooks, Sharon Jackson, and the rest of their team doing well. Now that they have this chip on their shoulder that they were so great and they were fine in the West. Remember, John made those comments earlier in the year that he was fine in the West. Now that they have these comments, it's not looking as good for this team because this is a team that needs to fight for every chance they get. They've fallen to number three in the West, and everyone else in the West is separated by at least one or two games. Remember, the Pelicans just beat the Mavericks. Right now, the Utah Jazz has fallen out of the playoff contention. The Lakers are rising. The Kings are shooting the beam and doing really well. So right now, Memphis is, in a sense, imploding still, and because of Jaw stepping away, they need to find their new identity. And with this being our Friday episode, you know what time it is. It's time for Christy's Corner. She's going to break down some exciting news in regards to the NFL draft, us approaching NFL free agency, and why the Buccaneers feel the need to cut all their players. Take it away, Christy. The floor is yours. Welcome back to another episode of Christy's Corner. We actually have a lot of football to talk today, which... It's kind of weird saying in March, I know it's like a basketball month with March Madness, but there really is a lot of stuff happening in the football world. So the first thing to talk about is quarterbacks and their pay. We have to remember that the NFL is a business. 
on our side of it, we watch it for entertainment. We even do this podcast about football for entertainment. But there is a business side to football. And I think people forget that. And I think teams are starting to get smarter in their business models. They're either paying too much or they're going to pay too little. And it's starting to trickle down. And we'll talk about Lamar Jackson in a minute, but Daniel Jones just landed a mega deal with the Giants. So over four years, he is to be paid $160 million with an $82 million guarantee plus $35 million in incentives. That is a lot of money for someone who is so young who has proved something, but it's only been one season. So they were 9-7-1 and seven and one with that tie, and they did make it to the first round of the playoffs. Barely, but they made it. And I do think that says a lot. And yes, I do think, you know, you perform, you do your job, you should get rewarded, you should get a raise. But this is a lot of money. What if he doesn't work out in the next year or the next two years and you let him go and you owe all this money? That's going to affect who you can bring in after him. But Brian Dable, and he's from Alabama, so I trust in him, but Brian Dable and the Giants general manager said they saw enough in him to feel confident in this. As, obviously, someone who earns a salary myself as a teacher, it's hard to wrap my head around. If you have someone who is, I don't know, mediocre at their job, maybe they get some of their kids to where they need to be in the class but not all of them are they the best teacher I don't know should they get a raise I don't know but to be I don't want to say Daniel Jones is mediocre I think he's a step above mediocre but you didn't win the Super Bowl so to get this big of a raise is kind of shocking to me and like I said it doesn't leave a lot of room to build other parts of the team But we'll see. I hope he can prove me wrong next year. I don't mind Daniel Jones as a quarterback at all. We also have a lot of other people moving around and trying to sign contracts. But the free agency pool is getting bigger and bigger. So just some names to keep an eye on is the Titans pass rusher, Bud Dupree. He will be a free agent. And I think he could be picked up maybe by the Bucks. I could see him going to maybe even the Patriots with Mac. Keep an eye on Orlando Brown Jr. I think he is going to get a big payout wherever he goes. Keep an eye on Javon Hargrove and I could see him going to the Seahawks. So maybe that's a heard it here first. You also have Dalvin Tomlinson. He's going to land somewhere. And then you have two quarterbacks who aren't necessarily free agents right now, but who I think are going to become available and to keep an eye on, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, and Baker Mayfield. And the two teams that I think are going to do the best with all these free agents are the Bears and the Falcons. They actually have the biggest um, cap space to be able to spend on some free agents. So watch for those teams to pick up a lot of free agents. So kind of back to the quarterback pay and Lamar Jackson's situation. So we all know he did not get what he was asking for. And the Ravens 
actually responded by giving him a non-exclusive franchise tag. So he has that salary guarantee for a year of $32.4 million if he doesn't leave, if he doesn't get a bigger offer somewhere else. And if he stays with the Ravens, that's what he will get. Now, here's what he was after. He was asking for $230 million. And that might sound familiar, and that's because that is what Deshaun Watson got. And we all know what happened there. So, yes, you could say Lamar is a generational quarterback. I mean, I think he's proved himself. He does not have a Super Bowl yet, but I don't think you have to to be a generational quarterback. I mean, he's broken so many records, even as a runner. Like, I think he changed the game for quarterbacks in terms of running the ball. But is the NFL kind of trying to out him? There are tons of teams already who have said they're not interested in him, and these are big teams. So the Dolphins, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Falcons have all said they're not interested in him, and these are probably some of the most heavy-needed quarterback teams. And I just don't understand. I mean, I think what's happening is that Deshaun Watson kind of set a negative precedent. He had this deal, and then we all know he got in trouble. So I think teams are afraid, and not only afraid, like I said, they have to think of this like a business. So if you're spending this much money on someone and something happens, they get hurt, they just don't perform, or they get into legal trouble, you have to owe them this money no matter what. You are out of this money. So you can't pay somebody buku's amounts of money and bring them in to take over. You're going to have to pay someone a less salary, which usually means a less skilled or a newer player. So no, I don't think teams are outing him. I just think they're looking at this as a business deal, and this is not a smart business deal for their team. So there are some teams who have started signing some people already, and the Falcons have re-signed Lorenzo Carter. He's the edge rusher, and I think that's huge. I think that's going to help whoever they bring in. And we know they released Marcus Mariota, and I think they're we're going to see some more people released so they can free up some of that cap space to be able to improve their roster. And we know the Saints are going with Derek Carr, so I think we're going to see um, Jameis Winston out here soon. And the Saints did sign a safety. And people, I think, tend to forget about these positions and how important and crucial they really are to a team. But they mean a lot and they bring a lot to a team. So I think it's important to put some money on these types of players. You also have the Bucks who are continuing to release players. They just released the starting left tackle, Donovan Smith, who I've actually seen talks of maybe him fitting well with the Patriots. But that cleared up $9.95 million in cap space for the Bucks to grab somebody. So those are all the veteran players who are going to be available, and I'm sure we're going to see more. But speaking of some new players who we're going to see drafted very soon, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson have kind of taken over the talk of who's going to go as the first quarterback. Now, even Nick Saban got on in on this, obviously, because Bryce Young. And he said Bryce Young would be a better bet than a quarterback who struggles with accuracy. Now, he didn't name Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, but I think you could pick either one of those 
more so Anthony Richardson and know that he was talking about him. Now, Richardson completed half of his passes at Florida. Um, Will Levis completed 65%, but he did throw 10 picks. He does not play well under pressure. Now, Bryce Young obviously had the Heisman. He was 64% in passes. He had 32 touchdowns and threw five interceptions and had two national championship appearances. So we know what he can do. We've seen it. He has nothing left to prove. We know he can play under pressure. The only thing that's holding him back is his size, and I don't think that's right. So look at Anthony Richardson. Everyone is comparing him to Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. Well, look what's happening to Lamar right now. As talented as he is, people don't want him because he wants all this money. Now, I'm not saying the same would happen with Anthony Richardson, but he has the size, but he does not have the skill of Lamar Jackson. So Alabama fan or not, I think Bryce Young is still the best quarterback to go first. And I'm going to end on a little different note. On our Tuesday episode, we talked a lot about Georgia and the trouble that their players have been in. And we said that Kirby really needed to come out and address all of the things. And he actually did. I think it was like two days before our episode came out and we were not aware yet. But Kirby did sit down for an interview and he said that Georgia does not have a culture problem. And he almost had a speech that I've heard Nick Saban say before. I know we've mentioned that you have to give these players a chance. They're going to make mistakes. They are kids. Do you want them to be cut from the team, go out into the world, and keep making these mistakes and end up in jail and down that whole road and cycle? Or do you want to give them a chance, let them prove themselves, and hope they make it and succeed and make a life for themselves and their families? And if they don't, they don't. That's their choice. But in your mind, you know that you gave them a chance to go down a road that otherwise they never may have been able to cross. So I do back Kirby in this. I don't know that this was enough. He only talked about the car accident that happened. And there's a lot more that's happening with these Georgia players. I don't know what needs to be done, and I don't know what's being said behind closed doors. I just feel like more needs to be said with this Georgia team. I think maybe even Stetson needs to come out and say something. I know he's not technically there anymore. He's going to be in the draft, maybe. But this was his team that he led to a national championship. So I think he also needs to come out and speak on these issues and kind of boost up the morale for the Georgia team. But thank you for listening. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more next week on players moving and coming and maybe even some more coaches and the draft is coming so soon. There's always so much to keep up with, but it's so exciting and we'll try to keep you up to date as best we can. Bye. Now, speaking of NFL quarterbacks who got paid, there is one who got a big, fat bonus. And I'm not talking about Derek Carr. We talked about him on Tuesday's episode. But I'm talking about Daniel Jones. That's right, Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes is now Daniel Dollars. So a lot of people are kind of thinking, you know, what are the good points with this? Is it a good signing? Is it great for Daniel Jones? And I mean, first and foremost, I think it's not a bad contract. I know it was a little concerning. He was asking for 40 million a year, but you have to think about 
what he's been able to do with this team. You know, one, first and foremost, he finally has a competent coach. You know, he was playing under Joe Judge and Pat Shermer as his coaches. And this year, you know, he basically doubled his wins from the year before. You know, he went four and seven in 2021. He got hurt. Year before he was five and nine, and then he was three and nine. But still with him, he's finally putting it together. He passed for 3,000 yards. Yes, I know he didn't throw as many touchdowns, but he rushed for seven touchdowns. And he also limited his turnovers too. I think that's a big thing that's really important too is that he found a way to limit his turnovers. You know, he only threw five interceptions. But you also have to think about it. This reminds me of the New York Giants teams from before, from earlier in the Eli Manning years when they would, you know, win with their defense and then do really well. They made the playoffs. You know, they actually made the playoffs and they played in two games. So I think right now they have their guy. And from Giants fans that I've talked to, they're really excited about this. Now, here's the thing, though, too. He needs some weapons. You know, they franchise tagged Saquon. That's great. But they need to get a wide receiver. You know, they shipped off Kadarius Tony, and Kadarius Tony wins at the Super Bowl. Kenny Galladay hasn't really done much for them. Richie James is pretty good. Sterling Shepard got hurt. They need to figure out what they're going to do with their wide receivers because Darius Slayton also wasn't doing too, too much. So should they draft one? Should they go after a wide receiver in free agency? Right now, it's looking like there's going to be a lot of movement with different wide receivers. Remember, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles can't afford to keep all their free agents. But still, maybe that's something that we could bring up. You know, what are the Giants going to do in regards to helping Daniel Jones grow as a player or as a leader? Because that's another thing, too. You know, with Daniel Jones, he is a great leader and he is a great player. So I think with now, it's really important to see what he can definitely do. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, definitely thinking about this. I'm thinking that they should go after some players. I think that they should go after maybe another tight end just to be safe. Now, here's the other thing, too, that we have to ask. Can they keep winning? I really think they can. You know, I don't know if they're going to reach 12 years and be one of the top teams in the NFC, especially when the Eagles are in their division or when you still have teams like the 49ers or you have you know, teams that are consistently in the playoffs as well. But I mean, right now, you know, Dallas is kind of a question mark. The Eagles, you know, are pretty set in stone. Minnesota is going to, you know, find a way to do well, but then has some questionable losses for sure. And then we don't know the status of Green Bay and then the NFC South, they're, you know, their own thing. And I can say that as someone from the South. But right now, I think they maybe could, especially as we're seeing that more quarterbacks are going to be paying more, paid more, like Geno Smith, who just agreed to a really big contract extension with the Seattle Seahawks. I could see a lot of teams doing stuff like this. And I know some people would say, well, we're paying for a mid quarterback. But here's the thing, though, too, is that we don't really know who can take a step forward and who can take a step back unless we see it. Remember, a few weeks ago, Christy and I were trying to break down the top NFC quarterbacks, and the only one we could think of was Jalen Hurts. Aside from that, we're kind of, you know, screwed. I mean, you know, with this, could Daniel Jones do it? Could Geno do it? Could Derek Carr do it? These are a lot of questions that we might have to see in the offseason and as we approach the 2023 NFL season. 
Now, Selection Sunday upcoming, it is important that we focus on another big tournament coming up, which is the SEC tournament. Now, with the SEC tournament, the reason why this is so big is that a lot of these teams, too, are also playing for a shot for March Madness. Now, we have our top seeds in UA, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Missouri. Now, they are projected to already go into March Madness, but then you also have some other teams who may have struggled this year or may have had, I guess what you could say being a down year in regards. So they are playing for a chance to be in this tournament. Now, at the time of this recording, which it is Thursday, Ole Miss and Tennessee are going to be playing, Arkansas, Auburn are playing, LSU and Vanderbilt are playing, and Mississippi State just beat Florida in overtime. So Mississippi State is going to be playing Alabama on Friday in the quarterfinal. Now, after that, if Alabama wins, they will play in the semifinals, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So right now, you know, we have Alabama, Missouri, Texas A&M, and Kentucky, like we said, as our top seeds, and we're waiting to see how these other games play out. But let's say metaphorically, if Auburn does win, they obviously, you know, are going to be in Arkansas. It might take some luck. LSU, Vanderbilt, it can really depend. Vanderbilt can make it in. Tennessee has the most to fight for. Remember, they lost Ziggler to a torn ACL. They still are a very good team. But right now, there are still a lot of questions in regards to them as well. Now, they won it last year. Can they do it again? And this is the one where it's tough because we don't really know. They could do it. They could not do it. You know, it's very hard to repeat, especially when you have a lot of basketball teams who are talented. Remember, we said it before that Kentucky used to be the only really good team in the SEC. Now you've got teams like Alabama. You've got teams like Tennessee. You've got teams like Texas A&M and Missouri. And Kentucky is finally figuring it out again. We said before that Kentucky was going to take some time to figure it out. They figured it out. And now we know that they're capable of doing it. But here's the other thing, too, is that which teams could be on upset alert? You know, how many teams actually had Mississippi State going into overtime against Florida? Mississippi State is a really good defensive team, so it could be something very similar to them with that when they play Alabama or something. So a lot of that is still very up in the air. Speaking of Alabama, you know, Alabama won the SEC championship, that, you know, SEC champions. Can they win the tournament too? We have a lot of questions. Anything can really happen. And that's why basketball is so much fun, especially in March. So just get excited because this is going to be our life for the next almost month. And I mean, you know, people take March Madness very seriously and it starts basically next week. So get excited, everyone. But that's going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We couldn't have done it without y'all. As always, you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Apple Music. We're basically on all podcast platforms, and we will be back on Tuesday with another podcast episode, so get excited. Like we said, it's March, so get ready for March Madness. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, Jake 14 or my personal Twitter, at Sweet by Jake. You can follow Christy on Instagram and TikTok at ChristyMarie underscore double zero. And as always, you can follow her on TikTok as well. And of course, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. Be sure to check them out. We've got some exciting content coming in. 
And we just partnered with University Traditions. So be sure to check them out. I'll drop the code in as well for any potential merch advice if y'all want any or if you want a discount. But I'm so excited for all these partnerships. And as always, as always, thank you so much. We just reached 4,000 streams. I'm so excited for this. Y'all are the reason we are able to come in day in and day out and accomplish these goals. And as always, as always, thank you so much. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Go on adventures. Make people happy. Make people smile. Be light in this world. The world is still a very scary and somewhat uncertain place. And as always, we will see and hear from y'all later. Take care.